0: Hello! Welcome to the H.P. Lovecraft Book Club. Uh, we are currently uh, finishing up. We're coming to the end of this series of episodes. Almost 30 episodes will be before we're done. Covering Lovecraft's fictions from, um, the, f- from the late uh, 20s. Essentially his return to Providence. Or, or like the, the New York years. His return to Providence up until 1930. Um, so it's been a lot of stories, a lot of episodes, a lot of great tales... But we're coming to the end and and we're kind of wrapping things up by looking at the revisions he wrote in this period. And we have two more to look at. Um, The first is uh, the one he worked on with Alfonso de Castro called The Electric Executioner. Kind of as an interesting follow-up to The Last Test. Um, Seems not to be the most popular tale out there by, by Lovecraft and not one of, seems one of the best revisions. But I think there's some interesting stuff going on here with science. I think that's one commonality between this tale and the last test. Also that it's got kind of a global perspective. You've got a kind of a mad scientist vibe here, um, but this one adds kind of the Aztec gods, which is something we haven't seen really in Lovecraft since the, the Juan Romero story, which definitely connects to Huitzil and Quetzalcoatl and these other Aztec gods. This story does it very, very directly and actually puts these gods in the Cthulhu mythos in, in very fascinating ways. So, um, with that, let's talk about this. I, I, I hope this episode will be a little bit shorter than the, the last one. It's a much shorter tale. Anyways, it's it's, it's uh, only about a third of the length of The Last Test. Um, it was written in 1929. Um, like The Last Test, it was something that we got a fairly rough Story that wasn't really well put together. De Castro's not the greatest writer in the world, um, and Lovecraft polished it and, w- and, and cleaned it up and put it together into a story that could be published. Where it was published, and it was published in 1930 in Weird Tales. Um, so I kind of joked in the la- at the end of last test where these two characters are afraid of like everything because anything associated with these events kind of freaks them out. This one is more. It's it's more like that old Lovecraftian device, like in the cold air. It's like, I'm, why am I afraid of the cold? Or in Pickman's model, why am I afraid of tunnels? Or why don't I go underground? Um, here, it's why am I why am I so fearful of the electric chair? Right? And he says it's associated with an old event, an old event I experienced with this uh, with an, you know and and that's and I'm going to tell you this story. It's really really in the past though. So what, what I kind of like about this story is it actually lines up with the, the actual invention and use of the electric chair, which first was used in 1890, right? And so if this story is set in, um, I think the story is set in 1889 and then it, that was like said it's like 30 or 40 years ago, Right. So I guess it'll be 40 years ago, right? If we're contemporary to 1929. Um, so uh, he's a, the main character. The narrator is like works for this mining company in San Francisco, the Taxcala Mining Company. And they have these mines in in Mexico. And basically we find out one of their mines. The manager has gone rogue. This manager's name is like Felden. Arthur Feldon and he's he's bailed on the mine, but he's also like not just caused disorder by not being there. He's taken all the documents with him, right? So this is going to be embarrassing. It's going to cost time and money, and there's going to be important information that's lost. So he's like he's like a private detective for for a corporate private detective, like a Pinkerton kind of guy. And so he says he's going to. Well, he's he's given the choice to go there. Now he wants to get married. So he's a bit worried that this will be a long job, but he realizes that it will hurt his career if he doesn't go. So he decides to go, um, even though his wedding's like a week away. Um, so then we get this description of the travel to Mexico and, and eventually to Mexico City. And we even get this comparison of like the European style cars and the American style cars. Like the American style cars are the, I guess everyone's facing one way, but the European style train cars, you have the little, where the people face each other like i guess you see that like in harry potter right um but and in china they have those in the in the slow trains they're the ones where you, f- you face each other it's like four people around a table um maybe not in coach but at least in like second class anyways uh like mexico originally bought their trains from these european manufacturers and later the american ones so they got they have these old um, european style cars a lot of nice details there. Now, he ends up going, uh, taking like a, a red eye uh, trip to Mexico City to, for this job. Because, you know, time's of the essence. So he takes this. And he thinks it'll be fine. No one will be there. Um, it'll, be, it's just, it'll be like a red eye. So he might be the only one on the train. And that's what he thinks happens. And, and then, he, you know, he notices someone's there. Um, a, a rather big guy uh, sleeping in the opposite seat from him right and I mean he seems to be like a, a fairly normal guy but it's kind of creepy because he didn't know he was going to be there and didn't expect him and he's sitting in this empty train right next to him um, uh, and he starts to think the narrator starts to think that he's in trouble uh, that there's really a danger here, so he tries to seize his rifle, he's got this gun with him, he tries to take it, but the man this 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 weird man who appeared here actually sees him do this and takes his gun away and and kind of basically attacks him. and so now our narrator has to kind of listen to this this man, listen to this stranger and you know fulfill whatever his you know listen to what he has to say anyways. Um, so then he explains he's like an inventor of sorts and he's going to try out this new invention and that, you know, lucky you, you get to be the one to be basically my guinea pig for this experiment, which is creepy because it's, you know, he basically says he's an electric executioner and he's based this off of stuff that used animals. I think, you know, it was already being used in, a, in the United States in... In 1890, so this is nine years after that. So it's um, old, old news, but it's in the air, right? It's still getting started. It's still spreading, and he's kind of on the cutting edge of that. But basically, he says this isn't really for executing single purse people. It's for executing all of civilization, all people, everyone. Um, And he says, like, we need to execute or murder, like, basically wipe out humanity for the return of Quetzalcoatl and Waitzell He mentions both of these gods distinctly. Um, and he says, like, this is a better thing than the thing that's being used in the United States at the time. So now it gets really bizarre. And also he starts to suggest that this narrator is going to be the first one to, to use this. So now we're about the middle part of the story and much of the tale revolves around... Him trying to stall this man from doing whatever weird stuff he's going to do—kill him or force him to use this device, which he kind of threatened to do. Use it like to stall him in various ways before they can get to Mexico City, uh, or at least until they can get to Mexico City. That's that's the plan. And how does he stall him? Well, he, he kind of says like praises him a little bit he he says like wow you if this is such an improvement on the electric chairs or electric execution devices being used in the u.s why don't you come why don't you go to to the to uh you know sell this in america you know and that doesn't really work. And then he's even like, he even says, I'll write a letter of recommendation for you. And, and this will be sold. This will be used in California. And that will be your way kind of in. Still kind of taking him as not a madman, but as a as a researcher of sorts. Um, but uh, finally, he ends up and here's This is, I mean, I guess it's a little bit believable because he seems to have connection with these Mexican mines, So it's possible he studied... Uh, Mexican mythology and Aztec history and things like that. But he starts to pretend to be like an agent of the gods or be be somehow connected to the gods. You by report repeating certain rituals and things. And even here's where Lovecraft has a little fun because he kind of creates Mexican variants of of gods from the Arkham uh, mythology that he's been creating. So you get like a Cthulhuotl, instead of a like they add that end to it, but you get a Cthulhuotl. You get a Yoxothato, Um, in addition to Quetzalcoatl and Quetzalcoatl. It's kind of, it's really fun what he's doing, and he's broadening it. And I like that, you know, because in the Call of Cthulhu, the words are the same, and the name of Cthulhu is the same everywhere. It's, it's universal, and that's one way that, that's what freaks out the anthropologists. It's like, why are people in new orleans worshiping the same god as in that eskimos are worshiping but by having regional differences it, it makes it a little bit more realistic because you would imagine you would have regional dialects and different maybe names many names for these gods the same way we have many names for the the monotheistic deities whatever um, so um this kind of f- causes uh, this man, this electric executioner, to sort of freak out. Uh, and, and he takes it seriously. He takes it earnestly. He believes what he sees. This leads him to essentially, you know, the, the prose is, is a bit dense there, but he kind of uses uh, the, the device on himself. And there's a light and smoke and, and all that. And then kind of the scene ends and he, you know, everything's he gone, right? And he starts asking around to, like, the, the, the help on the train. Like, what happened to this guy? Where's his body? Who was he? Where's his ticket? All these kinds of things. And there's no nothing. It's like just, it's a dream, right? It's, it's the, basically, at this point, if the story ends, it could just be a really weird dream, right? Where he read too many stories about or about electric chair and someone combine them into a weird dream uh, that would just be an interesting dream um, so he gets so he kind of sets that aside he assumes it's just a dream and he goes to the finally the mining camp uh, near mexico city and he's told right away that they already found this guy felden they found his body um, and they find him and they, they go to the, the cave where they find him. And he's not just dead, he's charred. He's like blackened from electricity and he's got this helmet on his head. So um, he examines the corpse and finds all the evidence he needs that this was the man that he met on the train. I think his gun is there, other pieces of evidence. And so this Felden... Was some kind of even though he's kind of presented as an Anglo-Saxon guy, he was somehow seduced by the mythology of Mexico and sucked into that. Um, And and basically, I I think we don't have like a a narrative eradication, but we do have one of of the narrator not really fully accepting or fully denying what he sees just um, kind of misunderstood, you know, it's still unclear what sort of happened. Did he somehow travel through time to the train car or, or you know, or the death brought him to the, to the cave or what's going on, it's all kind of confused. But what's, um, we're, but at the end we get this conclusion once again, that now uh, this is why I'm afraid of electric executioner, right? You know what's kind of cool about this is this was a new technology, right? And, and it's been used, so there's no reason to think that this could lead to the mass execution, mass sacrifices for, for for the gods. But there, you know, I think anytime there's a new way of killing people, there's some discomfort and weirdness about it, you know. When you think about like historical methods of execution and you think about them from our own standpoint, like they're really they seem horrific and barbarous and bizarre right but when we find about like new i don't know how much you think about death i guess and it's not like i dwell on death but you know it is something that i think about from time to time and and i think it's a big part of horror right is the it's i think even stephen king talks about this in dance macabre it's like death we all sort of intellectually know is going to happen it's the bad death that really free 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 scares us and it's what horror brings us to face and think about and meditate on and you know the fact is there's a lot of horror surrounding electric chair there's tales from the crypts episode uh, there's you know a handful of stephen king stories and novels about electric well, there's the one to the green mile right but i think there's some other stories that deal with this oh i'm thinking of revival revival is about electricity as well and and, and there's something kind of weird about electricity you know you know it's real but it's kind of mysterious to a lot of us but it's also very dangerous and it surrounds us all the time so you know I'm kind of thinking of like you know how the, the panic when the, or the fear when the nuclear bomb was first tested that this would cause a chain reaction that would destroy all life in, in the universe or the earth anyways not the universe all life on earth you know, there was a real fear of that. And of course it didn't work out directly. You know, who knows? Nuclear energy might still do that, but that was not because of a chain reaction. So maybe there's this fear about the broader consequences of, of electricity. Also like modernizing, like the sacrifices of Quetzalcoatl and Huetzalcoatl is really fascinating. It's 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 there's something to the story. I think it's not trash. And I, I just took a few notes about it. But, you know, I think it's it's kind of interesting. Um, not his best. You know, I, I think the last test is a stronger tale. And it, it kind of ends kind of weakly. And, and you don't quite know what was supposed to go happen with this device, how this device was going to eradicate all people in the in the world. But this com- combination of modern science with the Quetzalcoatl mythology of the Aztecs, really kind of brilliant and, and interesting. I like it. it. It kind of also reminds me of the next story we're going to look at, The Curse of Yig, where this is idea of like modern applications or modern settings for ancient myths. Right. Of course, that's in through, through so much of Lovecraft's writing, but it's... Uh, you know, quite explicitly ex- explored in Curse of Vieg and the Electric Executioner. So, um, yeah. There's some race stuff in here, too, I didn't mention. There's a, you know, kind of racial hierarchies are kind of in the backdrop. I've kind of toned them out, which is ironic because so much of this podcast was supposed to be about that. Um, you know, but like Feldon's an Anglo surrounded by... Mexicans so there's some racial politics there as well Um, but that's it weird story Um, check it out it's not very long it's only I think it's maybe 16 pages or so not too lengthy so you can definitely the audiobook version is only like 50 minutes so it's not not a very long one Um, so anyways that's all let me know what you think of any of the Alfonso de Castro Either of the Alfonso de Castro revisions, collaborations that Lovecraft worked on. Uh, send me an email at hundredpagescast at gmail.com. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to be preparing my thoughts about the first of the Zelia Bishop collaborations. There were three of them. And these are really more ghostwriting stories I'll talk about in the next episode. But um, the first of these was published before 1930. So we'll look at that one. It's called uh, The Curse of Yeg, And that'll bring that will bring an end to this series. Um after that we'll get into the letters. I'll talk about that next time as well. So I will um, well anyways, thanks for listening. Let me know what you think of the electric executioner and I'll see you next time as I look forward to closing this chapter of the HP Lovecraft book Club.